Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. November 18th as I'm doing this podcast and it's about 28 degrees outside. It feels like it's 20 degrees. It's crazy. It's insane. And if you've been a fan of my podcast for the last couple of years, you know how much I hate winter. So I certainly didn't want to see it it arrive a month early and hopefully it warms up to semi uh, warm by next week or so because I'm already over this cold weather. Not to complain, you don't come here to hear about that. But before I begin, first off, before I begin, I want to apologize for last week's show. I didn't realize how bad it was as far as the the uh, quality. I I felt really good about the show. Like, oh man, I'm really doing well in this show. And then I went back and listened to it and it was just one uh, glitch after another because I had a poor internet connection. And uh, I'm sorry that you all had to sit through that, whether you were watching it live or trying to listen to it after the fact. But tonight, last week it was raining all day, and I'm sure that it had a lot to do with the, the poor and teams. Hopefully that's nothing. All right, before I continue with tonight's show, I just want to ask you, as I always do, to please like and subscribe to our Behind the Curtain YouTube channel. We bring you live shows each and every day and night, including this show, the Touchdown Under Show on Friday evenings at 5 p.m. We have, we uh, we run the North with with, uh, Kevin Tate. We have Steelers Preview on Thursdays with Jeff, Dave, and Brian. We have The Hangover on Monday. Uh, with with uh, yours truly, Shannon White and Brian Anthony Davis. We have the Scobro Show on Tuesdays with Dave Schofield and Rich Schofield. And Wednesdays, we have Know Your Enemy with Jeffrey Benedict and Shannon. Of course, I mentioned the preview on Thursday. Uh, we have all those shows also live on Facebook. And of course, you can catch all those shows after the fact, on any audio platform of your choosing. Anywhere you, you can find podcasts, you can find Behind the Still Curtain podcasting channel. And of course, you can catch a lot of audio-only shows 
exclusively audio. No live uh, version, just audio only. You can catch those on any audio platform, including Let's Ride with Jeff Hartman, uh, The War Room with, with Maddie Peverall, The Steelers Fix with Jeremy Betts and Andrew Wilbar, uh, What You're Talking About with Kyle Christ, The State of the Steelers with, uh, with Daniel J., Bad Language with, with Brian. Here we go to Steelers Show with Brian and, and KT Smith. Um, did I miss uh, the Stat Geek with Dave Schofield? And I believe that covers them all. If not, like I said, go to Behind the Curtains podcasting channel, either on YouTube, on Facebook, or any audio platform, and you'll find any show you're looking for. We have so many of them. And of course, check out Behind the Curtain, the website. We're bringing news, commentary, film breakdown. It's your one-stop shop for all your Steelers' needs. All right. Let's check out who we have in the live chat. Kathy Ford was number one. She says, hello, fans. She has fans. She does have fans, too, Kathy Ford. George Teston, who's very excited to see me. Uh, Hello, George. Just just me is with us tonight. Hello, me. Daredevil, always a regular. Welcome, welcome, Daredevil. Uh, Daniel Red, who says from Facebook, who says, "Welcome back, Tony. I was I was getting worried about you. Well, I had a a family thing on Monday uh, to deal with, so that was a uh, but everything went okay. So that, that that's cool. So, but I was I was uh, sorry to miss you guys because um, I wanted to talk about Sunday's game against the Saints. Mike C is with us. Deb Skovrosky, hope I said that right." Uh, Daniel J. State of the Steelers is with us. Faustine Flores, Biggie Bronco. All right, let's get into it. Let's get into it. Let's talk a little bit about last day's game against the Saints at Aquashore Stadium, a 20 to 10 win. And, you know, it, it wasn't the prettiest game, but when was the last time the Steelers played a pretty game? But it was a good game. Obviously, it broke a, uh, what, a two game losing streak. Um, they were, uh, they had really, they were coming off a really bad loss to the Eagles, uh, before the bye. And, uh, the Saints, as compromised as they were coming into Akershore Stadium last Sunday, as beat up as they were, as, uh, bad as they were themselves, I think they were three and six, uh, coming into that game. Uh, they were still a one and a half point favorite. I saw them uh, favorites by as much as three, three and a half last week. So the, Pittsburgh was still the underdog. And, you know, I, I was watching uh, the hangover after the fact. I, I, I was watching it um, last Monday evening and I had to laugh. Uh, Brian was interacting with somebody in the live chat and they said, well, Pittsburgh won, but it was just the Saints. And I'm like, here we go again. Steeler fans were, were equally, uh, <laughs> we're always, Always um, uh, worried that, that you know that, that that they're the worst team in the NFL, and then equally entitled. Like, look, yeah, it's just the Saints that they beat, but these are just the Steelers. <laughs> these Steelers, if you haven't been paying attention, they're not very good. You know, in fact, going into last week, they were in serious contention for the for the the uh, number one draft pick next year. So, you know, let's put it in perspective. They beat the Saints, but uh, 
the Saints weren't the lesser competition. In fact, Pittsburgh was, according to the odds maker. So um, that's the first thing I took away from that game is 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 the, the idea that well, it was only the Saints. That was the overall sentiment. Meanwhile, the Steelers had a worse record going in, and they were underdogs at home. So at this point, any win is golden, and you take them wherever you can get them, and you take them however you can get them. But what I liked about the game was if you were to draw up a, a formula going into 2022 of how you wanted these Steelers the first year without Big Ben as a quarterback to win games, I think last Sunday's was was about as close to that kind of formula as, as you're going to get. You, you wanted it to be a little prettier. You wanted it to be a little bit better on offense. Uh, but you know, the, the sentiment going into 2022 was that the belief was that, that they could win with defense or at least they could stay in games with their defense. Uh, but that, uh, that had to be, the, the defense had to be effective. When I say effective, it had to be dynamic. It had to be opportunistic. It had to get after the quarterback. And we saw a lot of that obviously in week one in that winner of the Bengals, that upset of the Bengals on the road in overtime. Um, and, and that, that game, that win required every single ounce of effort from the defense seven sacks, five takeaways, uh, a pick six by Mika Fitzpatrick, you know, and, and, and that was the formula. The offense really did nothing in that game. If you, if you think back, there were some plays here and there, um, especially at the end with, with Mitch Trubisky uh, late in overtime, but really that was all the defense, you know, and the thing that you really get that, that kind of an effort every week from the defense was, uh, was, was not realistic. However, um, you did you did expect to have T.J. Watt in there <laughs> every week, uh, and you lost him at the end of that first game, and you, they were well without him for almost two months or basically two months. So, you know that there that formula was shot took took a huge blow in week one or at the end of week one because you lost your best player, best player overall, and certainly your best player on defense. So. You know, that threw out the, the dynamic part when it came to the defense, the opportunistic part when it came to the defense. We've been over this several times. They had some key, they had some nice moments uh, holding teams uh, under, you know, a certain point total uh, you know, games against the, like the, the Patriots, for example, um, uh, the Dolphins, uh, the Buccaneers. Of course, they won that game. Uh, those were some examples of the defense quote-unquote, doing just enough to win or doing enough to win in the eyes of many. But really, you know, as far as being able to take the football away, uh, sack the quarterback, affect the game, change the game, uh, uh, do something to help win the game, besides just just uh, being a stout defense, uh, you, really, you rarely saw that without T.J. Watt. But last week against the Saints, you saw that again. Not Not – to the extent that you did against the Bengals, but you saw it again with TJ White back in there. He, uh, he drew so much attention, obviously. Um, he didn't have a great day stat wise, but he was, he was a presence. There was no question that the saints were paying attention to TJ Watt and uh, Alex Highsmith, who had three sacks in week one had two, the only two sacks for Pittsburgh last week. He had, he had, he had those two sacks. So clearly it made a difference for him. He played a great game. Uh, 
the, the front seven in general was fantastic. What are they, 29 yards against the run? They held the Saints 29 yards on the ground, 186 yards total. Uh, uh, and they had two takeaways one by DeMonte Kazee early in the fourth quarter that led to a, a touchdown, and one late in the game by Levi Wallace, who I've been admittedly highly critical of this year, but he, had, he played a great game last week, and that pretty much uh, uh, put the game away with about four, I think, 423 left in the fourth quarter. So uh, T.J. Watt's presence made, made a, a big impact last week, and, 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 and that defense played pretty much like it did in week one. It wasn't just stout, but it was it was uh, dynamic and opportunistic. So that's that was the formula. And 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 as far as the offense, you know, again, it wasn't pretty. There's still a lot of work uh, to be done. There were a lot of plays I felt that were left out on the field, but they did rush for 217 yards, best rushing performance by this team in a long time. Uh, Najee Harris, 20 carries, 99 yards. The best he's looked in a long time. Uh, Jalen Warren got in on the act. Uh, what, 37 yards on nine carries, another 40 yards on three catches. He looked like a, a great complimentary piece, a great role player um, in, in, that, in the backfield. Uh, the question is, are, are they going to do a running back by committee approach moving forward? Uh, I don't know. And I wouldn't call what, what they did last week as necessarily a running back by committee. Um, I, 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 they're ne it's never going to be a 50-50 thing. Um, well, first of all, as long as Najee Harris is, or any running back of that pedigree is the starter. And number two, as long as Mike Tomlin's the head coach, I, 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 I find it hard to believe that he's just suddenly going to go to that kind of a, a, uh, an attack. But, you know, it is worth pointing out that the Steelers have had, despite the fact that Mike Tomlin likes to run his running backs, his starters, until the wheels fall off, famously starting with Willie Parker in 07. Uh, it is worth noting that backup running backs, even under Mike Tomlin, have had roles uh, in, in the offense over the years. It's not just been one guy um, doing everything. It was that kind of with Le'Veon Bell. Uh, maybe 2014 through 2016. Um, but overall, you know, you had guy, you know, you had um, backup running backs uh, fill specific roles on, for the offense. It wasn't just one guy in there uh, getting 400 touches a year. Last year it was with, with uh, Najee Harris, and many times it was, was with Le'Veon Bell, but, but overall, uh, you have seen um, some backup running backs uh, uh, come up with some key moments and key plays. Isaac Redman comes to mind. Um, gosh, who, who was the running back in 08 that really uh, uh, saved their bacon? Uh, uh, he was a, a great veteran. He filled in for Billy Parker when he was injured. Uh, he, he picked up that, that awesome, uh, very important third down. Uh, in that overtime win against the Ravens, eh. he was a, he was a great veteran. I always forget his name. I always forget that guy's name. And he played for the Vikings uh, earlier in his career. But uh, just a, just a um, a really important veteran role player. Help me out, live chat. Who was that? At any rate, um, Moelle Moore. Moelle Moore. That's it. Moelle Moore. 
great, great role player for them. Great backup. Wasn't necessarily a running back by committee, but he was a he was a valuable weapon for them. So there there, there is precedent when it comes. Yeah, there you thank you, Faustino. Noel Daymore, thank you, George Sesson. There is there is precedent when it comes to this to, to backup running backs having a role in the Steelers offense. And I certainly think Jalen Warren uh, can can do that for Pittsburgh. Uh, we saw that on Sunday. Uh, we've seen it a few times, early, you know, throughout the season. And I think he deserves a bigger role in this offense. Not not a equal role to Najee Harris. I still think he's a, a an important uh, franchise type player for them if he can reach his potential. Uh, but certainly, he deserves a a, a bigger role uh, moving forward. If it's if it's similar to what we saw on Sunday against the Saints, that's great because that that was very effective. And he really he was a great closer. I think. I mean, he he um he made some important plays in that in the uh, the, the touchdown at the end to make it twenty to ten. And he closed the game out with a a, fir- a first down run on third and short uh, with less than two minutes left. So uh, if if that's what you can get from from Jalen Warren every week moving forward. That'd be fantastic, especially if if Najee Harris continues to to, sh- to to run like he did against the Saints, and it was it was a great a great uh, day for him. Mainly not because of the, necessarily the yardage that all of that was fantastic, uh, just under five yards per carry, but the fact that he was decisive, he hit the hole, he ran hard, he was hard to bring. I mean, how many times did they blow the whistle when he was still on his feet? It was it was a it was like he wanted to he wanted to show the whole world that look I'm I'm not a bust I'm not um, you don't have to worry about me I'm still the I'm still the, the the top guy here in the backfield so it was a great great to see by Najee Harrison it was a great performance by the line in terms of um, opening holes in, for the running game now it wasn't necessarily great uh, <laughs> as far as protecting uh, Kenny Pickett uh, but I heard a stat from PFF that three of the sacks were on the line. Uh, to, to back up a bit, uh, Pickett was sacked six times. Uh, three of them, uh, evidently, according to PFF, were 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 the responsibility of the line, and three of them were on Pickett. You know, I don't know what what to make of that. You know, Pro Football Focus is a very polarizing site, and like like I always say, um, they're correct as long as you believe them, as long as you as long as you uh, accept the the stats and the grades. If you don't accept them, then then they're, they're a joke. You know, that's just how PFF is viewed by uh, a lot of football fans. So uh, it was a great game and uh, there were a lot of positives to take out of that. And, and I think if, 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 if the defense can, can continue to be uh, dynamic and opportunistic and the offense can continue to, to have a sound ground attack, then, that might be a, a, a formula that they can work with over these next eight games and uh, maybe sort of get back into the, uh, into, into the race. We'll see. Um, it, it seems like a long shot still at this point. Pittsburgh obviously has a lot of work to do uh, to really become a contender again, but Sunday was a, a great step in the right direction. And uh, you know, before I, 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 get into anything else i want to talk about demonte kazee and and the impact that he had on, on sunday's game uh 
in case you're not aware, I'm sure you, you have to be if you're if you're listening to a Steeler podcast or watching me live right now. Uh, Mika Fitzpatrick was was a, a scratch because he had a, a appendicitis, so obviously he couldn't play in Sunday's game, and because he uh, made his uh, 2022 debut, and he he was a a sensation. I mean, he was every bit as effective as as Fitzpatrick uh, looked in week one, really, uh, or at, I shouldn't say week one, cause he was really just awesome in week one Fitzpatrick, but cause he was as, um, effective as, as Fitzpatrick has been at, at various points this year. You know, he, he had the, uh, he had the interception, a lot of big hits, wasn't afraid to play to run. wasn't afraid to stick his nose in there. He was called for a, uh, a, uh, uh, a flagrant, uh, hit, uh, near the end of the first half on, on, Alave, the rookie receiver, and that, to me that was kind of questionable as whether or not it should be should have been uh, a hit against a defenseless a defenseless receiver. I can see why they would call it, but you know if you look at the at the replay, it was it was it was almost a clean hit. You know he, he kind of tried to lead with his uh, his his uh, his uh, forearms instead of his helmet, but whatever. I can see why they called it. Uh, but, but nevertheless, it was a great game by Kazee, and, and really, what a uh, what a fantastic pickup by Pittsburgh in the offseason. You know, when they signed him on May third, because it was May third, I didn't really think much of it. You know, this is two months after, almost two months after the free agent frenzy in March, and I just figured he was just some guy that they that they signed, and I really didn't pay much attention to him. I'm not going to lie; I didn't really pay a whole lot of attention to Demonte Kazee all throughout the the off season, but uh, so many of my behind store curtain colleagues and other uh, football fans and experts, they kept praising the signing. And, you know, as, as training camp um, evolved and, and watching him in the preseason, I began to learn a lot about the guy and, and I can't believe that they were able to get him uh, for a one-year deal. I can't believe he wasn't a more demand. We're talking about somebody who, who started 49 games uh, before coming to Pittsburgh, since I think he was a fifth round pick in 2017 by the Falcons, um, was a, became a full time starter for them in, in, in his second year. He would have started even more games, but he, he suffered a uh, an Achilles injury uh, early in the 2020 season that, that caused him to miss all but four games. And um, he signed with Dallas last year, and it was a full time starter for them. I think he started 15 games. So. A guy, 49 starts, and, and you get a guy like that to come here and be a role player. And, you know, there was a lot of talk in the summer of him uh, being part of a three-safety package alongside Fitzpatrick and, and Terrell Edmonds. And and watching Kazee play in the preseason, I mean, that was an exciting uh, possibility. Uh, and then, unfortunately, he got hurt uh, in the last preseason game against the Lions and had to go on IR. And it just really, you know, when you when you when you see how effective that defense was last week with Watt in there, with Kazee back, and without Fitzpatrick, it just makes you ask, you know, what could have been. You know, I talked about the formula for success for this team coming into the year. You know, imagine if if this defense was mostly healthy all year, and you had Watt specifically, especially in there, and then you had Fitzpatrick and Kazee in there, and in, in, in the backfield. And they're, you know, and they're able to utilize those guys, those three safeties. Because, I mean, these safeties, I mean, now that 
I've seen how Kazee plays, and we know about Fitzpatrick. And I think Edmonds is finally starting to get his due as a really quality, strong safety in the NFL. That's a strength for them. The safety position is a strength, and there's no doubt that they were going to utilize those three guys uh, from week one, and they're certainly going to over the final two months. So what could have been for this defense, for this team, with Watt in there uh, all year and Fitzpatrick and Kazee back there alongside Edmonds wreaking havoc uh, in the secondary? I mean, I'm not saying that they would have been a contender because I don't think that's true, but instead of three and six right now, maybe we're talking about a five and four football team and somebody who's who's uh, in contention for at least a wild card spot with eight games to go, you know? So it's just, it's just, it's a shame that everything happened the way it did uh, starting in that preseason, that last preseason game and, and through uh, week one with the loss to Watt. Um, you know, the offense has never been able to get on track really, but I think we kind of expected that. We hope we hoped for more, but I, I think we kind of expected that the offense would struggle all year and that the defense would have to prop it up um prop the team up but you know the defense was compromised right from the very beginning and we never really got to see that so it'll be interesting interesting to see what we see moving forward with with this defense and with this team in general over the final two months and on that note at the 24 30 mark i will take a small break and allow you to hear a word from our sponsors And welcome back, everybody. Welcome back to the Friday Night Six Pack. I'm your host, Tony Defio. And uh, thank you for sticking with me. And uh, I ended the first half of, of the show talking about uh, the, the impact that T.J. Watt's absence and Kazee's absence and what, what, that, what that did to the defense uh, in the first half of the year. And uh, I wrote an article about T.J. About Watt on Sunday before you know, it was kind of like a preview uh, a primer for the game. Um, and I got a lot of negative feedback on that. And I'm not surprised because people, I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to be insulting, but people just don't really like to engage in critical thinking a whole lot. And the article was about whether or not uh, TJ Watt is, is worth an $80 million guaranteed investment by the Steelers. And you know, everybody said, oh, it's a stupid article. Dumb. This guy's all you clickbait. Of course he's worth it. But I never said that Watt didn't deserve to make $80 million. Clearly, he's an $80 million a year player. Or $80 million a year. Wow. That, that'll be soon with the quarterbacks. He's an $80 million player guaranteed and guaranteed money. There's no doubt about it. He proved that last year. He's been proving that since his rookie year. The guy's a stud. He's arguably the best defensive player in the NFL. If not number one, certainly in the top two. Behind the uh, legendary Aaron Donald. That's neither here nor there. Clearly, Watt is deserving of the of the contract he signed. When you when you when you talk about what what the top defenders in the NFL are are making, then Watt he's definitely deserving. But the question I posed was: Is he worth that to the Steelers? Meaning, is he that much of a difference maker that they have to pay that guy that kind of money to keep him around? And uh, you know, maybe, you know, the way that defense looked last week with him in there, maybe maybe it is going to be a wise investment for them as far as him being a difference maker for them, him 
elevating them uh, two or three notches and 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 putting him on on his back and carrying them uh, and making them a better team than they otherwise would be. And to me, that that was what the point I was trying to make because one of the most famous lines quoted in in sports history, uh, evidently. Um, was by the Pittsburgh Pirates ownership when Ralph Kiner, the, the home run hitting uh, legend, who I think he led the, the, the National League in home runs for so many years in a row as a member of the Pirates. And they were in last place so many years in a row, despite of that. And, and, and he asked for a raise. You know, remember back in the 50s and 40s and 50s and up through the 70s, uh, there wasn't free agency in baseball. And kind of, you know, had to kind of ask for a raise. And then the owner, the GM, whoever told him, look, we finished in last place with you. We can finish in last place without you. And that was kind of the point I was trying to make. Yes, TJ Watts, a, a fantastic player, probably going to go in the Hall of Fame if he keeps up this pace, this level of play that he's on. But is he worth it to the Steelers to, to pay him that kind of money? And he proved it in week one. Uh, how he elevated that defense and, and kind of willed uh, them to a win over the Bengals. And he proved it again last week um, by being such a focal point by, uh, of the Saints that it made the defense that much better and, and they limited them to under uh, under 200 yards total offense. So right now I, I would say, yes, he is worth the investment. So that's really all I was trying to say. I wasn't trying to say, oh, TJ Watt doesn't deserve $80 million. People were really, really defensive. I get it. A lot of people just read the headline. Um, and even if they do manage to read the article, they still interpret it differently than I intended. But that's kind of what I was going for anyway. I, I like to be provocative. But it's an interesting, uh, it really is an inter- interesting question because, because, uh, uh, that's that's going to be the the how, how you have to do business moving forward as we as we've discussed many times in the past. Uh, guaranteed money is the thing now, and with every case that comes up, whether it's Watt this year, it was Fitzpatrick. Who knows who, who it's going to be in the future? It might someday be Kenny Pickett. You don't know. Hopefully, hopefully they have to make a tough decision on him. That means he's really good. You're going to have to you're going to have to ask yourself. Do we want to guarantee this kind of money to this guy, uh, whoever that that guy may be? And you know, I think we're seeing it this year. You know, what, what's what's been the 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 old uh, the mantra? I've said it. You know, you, you can't win without a, a franchise quarterback, and you do whatever you can to keep that guy until until um, he's washed up. You know, that's basically what they did with Ben Roethlisberger. That's what a lot of teams do. But you know, you, you see how these salaries are now, uh, what these quarterbacks are commanding, uh, and what what the, look what the Packers had to pay Aaron Rodgers this past off season. And I mean, the Packers, I mean, they, they just look horrible. I mean, they're just, I mean, Thursday night they got beat at home by the Titans. The Titans are a good team, but after the way, you know, after the, the way the Packers looked last week against the Cowboys in in, in a win, you, you thought, okay, the Packers are maybe going to try to make a run now. Well, now they're four and seven and they just look like they're ready to lay down and, and, and play dead somewhere, you know? 
And, and, you know, the Packers had to get rid of Devonte Adams because first of all, he wanted the big contract and they, they're, they were uh, devoting so much of their salary cap space to the new contract they, that, that they gave Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, is that going to be worth it for teams, you know, moving forward? You know, if a quarterback gets to, to a certain age, regardless of how good he is, is a team going to want to invest that kind of money uh, in him? Or are they just going to want to start over and hope to get lucky with like, with a younger uh, quarterback? It, it's, it's, it's an interesting dilemma because it doesn't seem like these, these quarterback contracts are getting any smaller. Uh, it's not going to slow down as far as what these guys want. I mean, 10 years ago, $20 million was the going rate for the top guys. Now, 45, 50 million, 60 million, probably not before long. So, uh, and you look at you know, Russell Wilson, who was another guy along with Rodgers, who Steeler fans, some Steeler fans wanted them to get. And the Broncos traded for him and they gave him a new deal and they're struggling. So, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what, what, what happens uh, with, with these quarterback contracts moving forward and how they affect teams and, and, if they really start to really limit them after a certain amount of time, you know, the, the chiefs just signed Mahomes, the bills just signed Josh Allen, the Cowboys just signed uh, Dak Prescott. They're all doing well, but what's going to happen two or three years from now um, when these contracts really start to kick in, is it, you know, you saw what the, what the, what the chiefs had to do. They had to trade Ty, Tyreek Hill, you know, so it's something that something worth keeping, keeping an eye on. All right, now, one last thing. Uh, this Sunday's game against the Bengals at Acrisure Stadium, it's a big one for the Steelers. It's a very big game because, first of all, they're three and six. That's, that's, uh, that goes without saying. But they're also, they've lost five games in the AFC, you know. So how many more games in the, can they lose in the conference before they're just really just all but dead in the playoff picture? Uh, but you know, the Bengals are, 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 uh, they're going to be wanting to win this game too. I mean, this is a big game for them as well. They're five and four. They've rebounded nicely after starting out. Oh, and two, uh, they won five of their last seven. Um, they look like they're, they're getting back to being the team that they were last year when they made it to the Super Bowl and almost won it, but they're and three in the division. They probably can't afford to go 0 and 4 because, um, you know, the, the head-to-head tiebreaker against the Ravens would be out. The Ravens are, are the best team, in the, or the, they're leading the division right now, so the head-to-head would be out. And at 0 and 4, certainly the second tiebreaker in the AFC North, uh, the overall record in, in the division would be out. I would, I would imagine, because uh, they they could be no better than 2 and 4. So it's a big game for the Bengals. You know, so both teams are going to be almost, I'd say, treating it like a playoff game. You know, uh, I mean, the Bengals have a lot more, even even at 0-4 in, in the division, they could still, you know, find a way to make it into the playoffs. But Pittsburgh at 3-7 and seven in, what, what, I guess, 1-5 in the conference. That I mean, that would be almost impossible to come back from. So this is huge. This is huge. Um, so, you know, the question is, how can Pittsburgh win this game? And I think, the, the, the just like in week one, I, I talked about this in my podcast 
the Friday before the week one game, the, the, the matchup to keep an eye on now that TJ Watt is back is Pittsburgh's pass rush versus the Bengals offensive line and the Bengals, despite overhauling their offensive line in the off season, they've given up 32 sacks through nine games, which is what, uh, they're on pace for roughly 60. That's a lot of sacks, <laughs> you know, um, for Joe Burrow, even though he's a great athlete and he's young, uh, he, you know, he just suffered a knee injury to uh, ACL, torn ACL two years ago. So that's a lot of, a lot of wear and tear on that, on that body already. So you, you saw what they did to him in week one. Uh, they, 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 they pressured him all game. They forced him into several mistakes. He did not look like the your, your typical Joe Cole Burrow, you know. So, to me, that's the key to this game. Because let's let's be real. The uh, as far as the offenses are concerned, the Bengals are probably three or four levels of, of, of above Pittsburgh right now. I mean, Burrow's, you know, he, he's as far as his development, he's well, he's two years ahead of uh, Kenny Pickett, and of course, he's already accomplished so much. And he has, you know, he does. Yeah, you could talk, say what you want about the Steelers' weapons. But until they prove it by going out there and being explosive and productive, the Bengals have the better skill uh, players. And yes, Jamar Chase is, is, is out, and that's going to be a big problem for the, uh, for the Bengals. But, but Joe Mixon's uh, a fantastic running back. He has, what, 585 yards. T. Hickens is more than capable of being a number one receiver. And of course, Tyler Boyd is is a, a very def- dependable uh, number two. So, you know, as far as offense versus offense, the Bengals have have uh, the advantage. So it, it comes down to the Steelers' defense, mainly the pass rush, uh, dominating the Bengals' offensive line and forcing Burrow into more mistakes. Probably not five turnovers like in Week One, but certainly enough to alter the game. That has to be where they win this game. They have to find a way to dominate uh, the, the Bengals' uh, offensive line. And, of course, they have to find a way to to neutralize uh, Joe Mixon like they did in week one. You know, they had him, what, 82 yards and 27 carries. Seemed like Micah Fitzpatrick went out, out of his way to make it a personal grudge match. So you're, gonna, you're going to need that kind of intensity again uh, this week. So that's how that's how how it starts, and then whatever opportunities the defense provides the offense, they have to take advantage of it. And quite frankly, I look for I look for this to be a close game again, and I think it's going to go into overtime again. And I think Pittsburgh is going to win. It just feels like I know I said this uh, before the Dolphins game, but it just seems like this is the kind of game that they're going to win and improve the four and six. And with all these quote unquote all this quote unquote lesser competition on the horizon, <laughs> even though I, you know, the Steelers are the lesser competition right now. Uh, it's going to, it's going to create, create some buzz going into the final seven weeks. So those are my thoughts. Neutralize Joe Mixon, terrorize Joe Burrow and uh, create some opportunities uh, for the offense and the offense has to take advantage and win a close uh, game in overtime, you know, so those are my thoughts. And um, on that note, I will open things up to some questions and comments. And here's one to start things off. Pruser from when she says, 
of the week. Jamar Chase flipping off Mika makes it personal. Well, I mean, Mika was making a lot of things personal that day. I mean, he was really <laughs> talking passion. Uh, believe me, that 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 middle finger by Jamar Chase didn't come out of nowhere. That was uh that was uh induced by Mika Fitzpatrick. So, but yeah, I mean it is that does make it fun. All right. And this one from Claude Bishop, who says making the playoffs gives your guy, your young guys experience and anything can happen. Yeah, but I mean, of course, they have a long way to go uh, at this point to even be in that discussion. I think I think uh, the ESPN's at playoff tier right now, and there's, they had like seven tiers, and they put Pittsburgh in the seventh tier with the caption, uh, get ready for the draft or something like that. So, I mean, there's obviously a lot of work to do. But yeah, if they can win this game, then we can start dreaming again about the playoffs, I think. If they lose, then I think it's... It's time to call in the priest and, and have him on standby. All right. What else we have here? Let's see. This is one. Well, I don't know. I have to, I have to get some context here. This one from, this one is a rebuttal to Claude Bishop. And Steeler Freak says, for me, making the playoffs just to get beat badly means nothing. Draft picks are more important than meaningless bragging rights. Well, I mean, you know, Big picture, yeah, it's probably it's probably good for them to, to have a bad year, but they're not going to try to have a bad year. So they're going to try to make the playoffs if they can. And Mark Malone says the Bengals must go down. I mean, he, he had his uh, share of uh, of um, of uh, battles against the Bengals in the '80s, so he would know. He's familiar with that that then AFC Central rival, Re. And there, here's another from Claude Bishop who. I need some context in this Claude, or I need some, uh, I need you to clear this up. He said, Tony, they're going to win the division. Is that Pittsburgh or Cincinnati? Because if it's, if it's Cincinnati, that would, I would, uh, I would tend to agree with you. If it's Pittsburgh, well, that's a long, uh, they have, they, they have a lot of work to do. Wendy Wagner, as a follow-up to my, my, uh, my thoughts on, on, on specifically quarterback salaries, but salaries in general, when it comes to, with Pittsburgh had to give TJ Watt $80 million with, with a lot of offensive linemen are getting receivers, cornerbacks, etc. And he says, salaries are ridiculous. I don't know why I'm still an NFL fan. Many Americans are, are so struggling. Well, really, uh, Randy, and I thank you for the comment. Relative to the rest of society, sports uh, athletes have always made a ton of money. I mean, even back in the day when these guys had to have part-time jobs, they were still making more than your average your average citizen. So it's just, I'm not saying it's not crazier now than it was say in the, in the seventies in the eighties, but relative to the, to the rest of society, they've always been, been uh, outrageous, but Hey, look, you know, we always focus on the salaries that, that these guys make, but nobody ever talks about, you know, the, the money that the owners make. I mean, they're worth billions. So, you know, and, 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 and another thing I find funny about that is, how much we enjoy movies and you know, TV shows. And, you know, these, these, some of the top actors, a lot of them, you know, they command 20, 30, 40 million a year or, or per movie, I should say. Nobody, nobody blinks. So, I mean, you know, to me, I wouldn't let that ruin the enjoyment. You know, it's, it's, it's no different than watching uh, your favorite actor uh, in the movie. And they're making 40 million a year. Is that, or 40 million for that movie. Is that, 
going to ruin your enjoyment. You know, it's like just just because I know we all grew up playing sports, but just because we grew up playing sports doesn't mean we can really relate to these athletes as far as uh, well, they're doing something we would do. They're not really doing. They're doing something we would do, but they're doing it 20, 30, 40 times better. So, you know, they're they're all they're simply doing is 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 getting paid what the market will bear. And there's nothing wrong with that. So I, I wouldn't let that ruin ruin your enjoyment of sports. I mean, it's it's it, you can divorce what they make from your enjoyment of it because at the end of the day, you know, the Steelers who, or whatever other team you you root for, they're always going to be there, and they're always going to be your team. Well, after these players have moved on with their lives, with their lives, with their life work, life's work. So, all right. See what uh, Biggie. Let's see what Biggie Bronco says. He always brings it with the with the opinions and the in the comments. And he said earlier, not for the last three or four years. I say the, the last two years, and Donald was before that, and before that it was Von Miller. So you're talking about who was who's been the best defensive player over the last five years? Yeah, well, I mean, <laughs> come on, you know, Aaron Donald's been a uh, uh, just an absolute beast for going on a decade. Von Miller had had has had his time, and he's still a very effective player for the Bills. So yeah, yeah. not just T.J. Watt. I mean, T.J. Watt's not head and shoulders above any other de- any other defensive player. There, there are a lot of good ones out there. All right, moving on down, back down the uh, live chat here. I thought I saw some something about uh, T.J. Watt and uh, Joe Burrow. All right, here's another from Randy Wagner, and he says, "I know what I'm going to hate if the Steelers go 500, 500 this year." And hearing how great the head coach is for never having a losing season. Well, they can't go five hundred this year, not, not unless they have a tie. But uh, you know. If they get to, if they get to, to around 500 uh, at this point, I mean, to me that would that would speak well of uh, Mike Tomlin's abilities to keep the team together and 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 keep it in contention, which is something he's he's been able to do um, for the last uh, what 16 years now. So, I mean, uh, you know, your first year without Ben, if you can if you can remain in contention, given their their um, deficiencies which are are on both sides of the ball even on defense and doing it with a rookie quarterback to me that would that would um bode well for the future like i like i've been saying and i know nobody wants to hear it nobody's ever gonna agree with me or few people are going to ever agree with me but what the steelers did in the 2010s following their loss to the packers in super bowl 40 what they did over the next 10 years or so to stay relevant to stay competitive, by and large, that's rare uh, in sports. Usually, a team just falls off for a period of time after that kind of a Super Bowl run where you make three in six years. They fall off, and you know, lots of people get fired. You know, and, but yet they remain rele- relevant. And that's to me that speaks to obviously it speaks to Ben Roethlisberger and the or- organization as a whole. But it also you have to credit Mike Tomlin for that because it could it could have very easily uh, gotten bad and it looked like it was going to get bad in 2012 and 2013 
especially especially 2013, and uh, they almost made the playoffs. So, yeah, you know, I, I know I know Tomlin's a polarizing figure, and quite frankly, he's been that since far too early in his career, uh, for my liking. But he's not going anywhere. He's just not. Not anytime soon. So people, that's another thing people have to divorce themselves from their, their, their desire to see Mike Tomlin get fired. Cause it's not going to happen. At least not right now. And it's not, it's not that he has a job for life. Cause that's just a joke. I don't know why people say that there's no precedent for that, but he certainly is not going to be fired anytime soon. So no matter how many times we talk about it, it's not going to happen. And this one from 13 Aaron T what's that line from Kenny would make you say he's the guy of the future. Quite frankly, nothing right now. Nothing, you know, I mean, all of his, his uh, positive qualities have been, you know, intangibles in, in mostly. I mean, he's made some fantastic throws, um, but it's also been what six games or whatever it's been, you know, and, and it, so he hasn't had that it moment yet or that it game, but you know, he's, he's gaining valuable experience. And now the question is, how is he going to parlay that experience into in, in in his future as an NFL quarterback? You know, you know this is a, uh, from Aaron here. It's a great example of people just not realizing, quite frankly, what what it takes to become a quarterback in the NFL. You know, like I said before, not everybody's Dan Marino. Not everybody just steps right in and, and, and is a future Hall of Famer from day one. You know, it, it takes time for most of these guys. And there's a lot of growing up and, and growing pains to go through before you finally get it. We saw it with, jo- with Josh Allen. We saw it with uh, um, Jalen Hurts. Uh, we, see, we see it with so many of these guys. Uh, Peyton Manning, uh, Eli Manning. You know, it, it's, it's, it's rare for a guy to come in and dominate in his first year, especially when he's on a team that's, quite frankly, bad, which the Steelers are right now. You know, if, if, if you plop Kenny Pickett onto that 2004 Steeler team with a number one defense, number one rushing attack, this great veteran team laden with talent, he probably has, and we're praising, we're, we're, we're uh, singing his praises and we're calling him the savior. But unfortunately, his plight is similar to the vast majority of rookie quarterbacks that are thrown in. Uh, as starters in their first season, they struggle. They look, they look like they're, they're going to be busts. They look like it's hard to find anything good to say about them, you know, but a lot of them do turn it around and have good careers. So, all right. On that note, I think I'm going to call it a night. You guys are great to talk to tonight. Uh, I hope you enjoy that game on Sunday. Now, remember it was flexed out of the uh, Sunday night game. Uh, and it's going to be at 425, so it's not a primetime game. So hopefully it doesn't affect your viewing of it very much. But until I talk to you on Monday on the on the Hangover, you have a great weekend. Stop and check it out. Models on.